Welcome to You Should Watch This Documentary, a podcast about documentaries you should watch, obviously, with your host, Adam Todd Brown, Jess McDonald, and Mon Rock. Hey everybody, welcome to You Should Watch This Documentary. I'm Adam Todd Brown. Who are you? I'm Mon Rock. I'm Jess McDonald. And we're your hosts. Neat. Ooh. How's everyone doing? It's been a while since we recorded. It's been a long time. I know. So many things have changed. We keep canceling on one another. I know. That's pretty bad, honestly. <laughs> yeah, I have a I have a jacked up tooth that just keeps giving me problems and I I don't have the $2700 they want to fix it. So now I'm just waiting to get in at USC so a medical student can pull my tooth. Oh, my God. And until then, I just go through a lot of ibuprofen and eat very soft foods. That's so sad. And here we are recording documentary podcasts for you people. (laughs) You fucking people. We're talking about deprogrammed today. We were going to talk about The Imposter, but once again, a documentary we wanted to cover just disappeared from all streaming services Yep. Just as we were going to talk about it. Why does that keep happening? I don't know. We should pay attention to they like, pull the list everything of that's good. Yeah. Yeah. There's a show on Netflix now called The Imposters, which is actually really good, but it's like a TV drama. Yeah. That and I think help us. that coming on probably is the reason The Imposter is gone, but we'll talk about it someday. Instead, we're talking, well, we were going to talk about Deprogrammed anyway, also. Yes. And now we're talking about that, which is, it's a documentary about a guy named Ted Patrick, who is, he was a renowned or infamous cult deprogrammer in the 70s and 80s. And he is a polarizing figure. Yes. To to say the least. He basically, if someone was in a cult, he would kidnap them on behalf of the family. (laughs) And then... Threaten them with knives and berate them with questions until they either left the cult or said they would leave the cult and then just went back to it the next day after he untied them from their chair. No, he did actually cure some people. He did, yeah. Yeah. That's that's why it's so... Controversial. Yeah, because what, what else can you do in that situation? And that's that's basically this documentary covers a, a few of the different subjects that were uh, kidnapped, basically, yeah. by this guy or deprogrammed by this guy. Deprogrammed is the nicer term. We could, yeah. We could do that. And they all have varying degrees. The, the, their stories vary quite right. a bit, uh, especially in terms of how fondly they look back right. on their time with said <laughs> Patrick. It opens with a guy whose name I just remember as Matthew. Yes. And I instinctively disliked him and wanted Ted Patrick to kidnap him again. <laughs> well, he didn't seem fixed, honestly. He was not fixed. No. no. He's just in the gun and in the gun. He's in the woods shooting guns and still spouting off nonsense, honestly. But then he had a daughter and that changed his life. Except for the part where he's still in the woods firing <laughs> off guns. <laughs> And all beat up because Ted Patrick. I don't know. I kind of felt that he was hyping up his character for the camera. Yeah, he, yeah, because, he absolutely. Because could have been. later when they showed him being a human being with his daughter, 
uh, it really felt like, you know. Just a guy hanging yeah, out. He yeah, he had softened. And I think he was trying to play up this hardcore Nazi role or whatever he was. Really? Yeah, I couldn't you know. tell what. he. I mean, he, he seemed, had to be a Nazi, right? Right. I think so. He really yeah. was giving off that vibe. Yeah. He had the, all the Nazi trademarks. And it made it hard to feel bad for this dude. Like he 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 seemed like kind of a shithead, right? Who was probably a menace to his parents, and his parents at some point were like, maybe if this guy kidnaps him, it'll be okay, right? And it was what I really hated about the guy was the way he talked. Yeah, like he talked under his voice like this, and uh, I like, uh, and it was it's just a, it's unnerving. It's like use your words, <laughs> man. He doesn't have any words. Yeah, I guess we shouldn't just beat on him for the first 15 yeah. minutes of this podcast, yeah. but I kind of want to also. Cause, and he did have, I mean, he tells his backstory, and it is kind of Yeah, it's troubling. dark. I mean, you know, this guy's neglected, and that's what happens. This Right. Is, yeah. Things don't go well for, for people who aren't treated well when they're young. Like, it never, it never turns out well. Life is unfair. You cannot control the family that you are born into. That's 90% of it. Yeah. Yeah. And it one of the, the main focuses of this documentary is the the sixties and seventies and all of those love movements, I guess, that sprung up. Yeah. Well in the sixties, uh, you know, counterculture was in, you know, very much in the same way that it is now. Right. But what was interesting is that these people who are all against authoritarianism essentially join these cults right. that are totally authoritarian. Right. Yeah, it's like people people went yeah. into all the different um, protests and everything and just kind of pulled them from there and brought them into their own movements. Yeah, there's one leader controlling your life. Right. Yeah. And everybody was... seemed just high all the time. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that part was cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, it felt like a, like there's... There was that CIA project back in the 50s and 60s called MK Ultra, where they were just like dosing people with LSD and thinking they were going to make like super spies. And I sometimes think they accidentally created that whole movement and were just like, fuck, <laughs> none of these people like war. God damn it. <laughs> and it, it, I think it is really interesting to look at that period of time. Like, we think of right-wing types now, and especially Fox News, which is absolutely kind of a brainwashing tool. Right. Like, we didn't we cover that documentary? We wanted to cover that documentary, and we never did, so we should Oh, do we that. should absolutely yeah. cover that. It's yeah. called The Brainwashing of My Dad. Yeah, yeah, And it's yeah. about the rise of Fox News and how it's basically... Uh, they program people like right. they just repeat the same talking points over and over and over all throughout the day. And they're just drilling things into people's heads. And we tend to think of like Fox News types as, oh, they're brainwashed. And we tend to associate that with that side. But the 60s and 70s really showed that that could happen to the left. Right. It can happen. I mean, what do you, it calls religion, Fox News. It's all yeah. the same thing. Right. It's just really easy to brainwash people. <laughs> it really is. Well, you this give should them a be sense a brainwashing podcast. Well, I mean, I want I mean, to start have... a cult. So. Yeah. This is like the, the seventh cult podcast we've done. Yeah, so I think we're really <laughs> getting ready. <laughs> For sure. What were you about to say? Uh, I have no idea. Oh, okay, Other than cool. I want to start a cult. so yeah. It would be fun. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I do lead a small cult. 
Oh, what's it called? Yeah. It's called My Family. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 100% in control of it. How do we join? You can't. Oh, oh okay. Yeah. All right. Well, I'll well, start my own and it'll be fun. <laughs> and it's also going to be called Your Family. <laughs> so I guess we're competitors now. So yeah, they, they talk a lot about the 60s and 70s counterculture and... I didn't realize like the Hari Krishnas, they really do seem like a cult. Like, oh yeah. I thought like Oh, they're crazy. George Harrison was a Hari Krishna. Which I guess he was crazy. Yeah. Which like a little, yeah. It's yeah. like actors being Scientologists. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But it was it was especially popular in the sixties and seventies. Like, because I uh I saw hair so many times growing up, like the musical, and I used to listen to it all the time, and there's a whole song that they repeat like the Hare Krishna but in song, they, they repeat it. And it sounds so nice in it. It sounds so nice in it. And then watching this, I was like, oh, no, they're lunatics. They're it's absolute so lunatics. Basic. They actually have, they don't really have any chance. I mean, I grew up going to the Hindu temple, and what they're doing is kind of swag. Gotta be honest. <laughs> I would believe that. <laughs> and that part I always got, but I at least thought that they were, like, sweet. I don't know. Yeah, it. I, I know this comic who is a Hare Krishna community breakout. So his oh, parents wow. were Hare Krishnas and his brother lives in India and has like no shoes. Uh, Jeez. And he said that growing up, his parents raised a million dollars for the Hare Krishna temple and he grew up dirt poor. That's insane. That's awful. Yeah. Yeah, it's... Those movements were so big back then. Like they talk about the Moonies, right. which was another big like religious cult, basically that had a they held a rally at fucking Yankee Stadium at one point. Like this was such a big thing. When I think of like the CIA and the FBI doing covert shit, this is like the stuff I want them to be doing it for. <laughs> Why does it's all like the infiltrate cra- them and stop them, please? Right. <laughs> Why does all the crazy shit always come out of California and Florida? California is really a breeding ground for things that ruin the rest of the country. I guess it's just too beautiful, the weather or something. People just lose their minds. I think there's something about the popular... I think the crazies flock to here also. Yeah, to some extent, probably. Also, people have a lot of free time. Yeah. So you just get in your head. Yeah, that's, that's true. Yeah, the... When you go, especially once Reagan took office, like Reagan was governor of California for a while. When you look at the things he started in California, they're really conservative initiatives like deinstitutionalization and things like that, that uh, all started in California. Like he tried it first and, you know, saw that it wrecked us. So he was like, "Mm, let's take that nationwide and do that everywhere. But yeah, a lot of really bad shit happens in California. We have the biggest concentration of hate groups in the United States. Uh, even more I than- never would have guessed that ever. And vegans. Yeah, which, is there a difference? <laughs> Honestly. Yeah. But yeah, the re- I think one of the reasons we have more hate groups than anyone is we have a lot of black separatist groups that you're not going to find in like Texas and North Dakota and shit like that. So that probably tips the scales a little in our favor, but it's definitely not all that. It's, there's right. a lot of fucking Nazis and KKK types in California, especially Northern California. Right. It's like the Midwest Modesto. of California. Yeah. 
I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't think I've ever been to Modesto. Yeah, I just. I can't speak that's to the it. Scott Peterson uh, trial. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's another documentary we should cover at some point about the Scott Peterson trial. In, I'm in. I'm. I'm in. I'm not convinced he killed her. <laughs> really? Oh yeah, yeah. There's. If if you look into the actual, because the media made it definitely seem like he killed her for sure. Right. But if you look into the details of the case, it's a little sketchy. There's one detail in particular. If this one witness was right about seeing her walking her dog when he said he saw her walking her dog, Scott Peterson did not kill her. Like it would well. be because the police have him on a boat in the middle of the ocean at the same time this witness said, I saw her walking. Well, she could have been wrong. Dog. I mean, every I, she could have been I wrong, but he could have been framed too. We could watch it and talk about it on a different episodes. No, I feel like as this far is as America, as, as, as far as America is concerned, if you're caught cheating on your wife and your wife dies, oh. you did it. Oh right. yeah, right. Yeah. And I totally fall into that. <laughs> I believe it. <laughs> I yeah. mean, I grew up in a world where he was guilty, so like for me, it's hard to to dial back from that and look where he might not Well, be. I'm going to have Ted Patrick kidnap both of you <laughs> and talk you out of believing Scott Peterson killed his wife. How do you feel about that? I don't really want to be I feel kidnapped. Like you have been psychological programmed. <laughs> Let's talk about Ted Patrick for a bit. He is an interesting character. Speaking of things that spawned out of California and the Reagan administration, this that's where he got his start was working with the Reagan administration right. as like a religious consultant, basically. Yeah. And at one point, he takes his sons get recruited into this cult while they're on vacation or something. Well, they, yeah, the, the cult comes in and start, and like pulls them away and like they don't know where their kids are all during this day. And when their kids come, they're like, yeah, I don't know. They're, I, I can't remember what they're trying to convince them. But apparently like the, the members of the cult were just staring his kids in the eye and just saying all the things that they believed. And every time they tried to leave, they would just pull them back and be like, no, listen. Right. And I mean, it is. I will say that it is devastating for the parents for this to happen to your child. But I still don't think that they necessarily have the right to kidnap their own children who are grown adults. Well, that's that's actually a big sticking point with deinstitutionalization in general. Right. And there's people who I'm one of them who would make the argument that mass shootings would probably be impacted a bit if parents could still do this to their adult children. Because that's one of the things that deinstitutionalization took away is once your kid hits 18, you as a parent can't go to the authorities and be like, look, my 19-year-old is going to shoot up a school, and I need you to commit them and make sure they don't do that. You can't do that anymore. Right. And it used to be a thing you could do. Right. And maybe it's a coincidence that mass shootings skyrocketed after we took that away and shut down all the mental institutions Doesn't or maybe uh -oh, it's Malcolm Gladwell everybody <laughs> well it's I mean the, it, the two things do happen around the same time like mass how many mass shootings can you think of before the 80s like there were a few there was the one in Texas in right. the 60s but then between that one and you get a like near the end of the 70s is when they really go through the roof 
and it's the same time we started stripping access to mental health services from people. But that's... So what's the, what do you think the age? 30? Is I don't that think fair? I, I feel like, you know, I don't... Yeah, I don't know. Like, I don't know if the answer is let people have someone committed against their will for 72 hours. Like, is that... 48. Okay. <laughs> I'm just going to argue down to 40. An hour. Give him an hour. <laughs> but yeah, it's the thing about this, though, there's I feel like both sides made really good arguments right. because there is that there is that these these are in a lot of cases just kids who are out figuring out things in their life. Like the one thing about these groups, I don't doubt that the FBI probably did go in and fucking break some of these groups down right. at some point. But also people just left. Like right. these groups didn't really carry on and Ted They Patrick, always fall apart. Yeah. They and, always do. And Ted Patrick certainly didn't kidnap every single member no. and talk them out of it. <laughs> yeah. So a lot of these people I think would have come to this realization right. on their own. But Maybe some like there are some people in this documentary who are still all these years later, even after the leader of the cult they were in dies, are still in the cult. Right. They're like, okay, well, he's dead now, so we can own a house and shit. Like, right. Let's amend the rules. There was that guy at the end who, uh, that kind of scruffy guy with, yeah, he's the one with the house. Yeah, with the house. His name was Aaron Christ. Oh. (laughs) <laughs> Jesus Christ's cousin, Aaron Christ. I be more well versed on this thing. I just don't remember uh, anybody's names, but yeah, the scruffy guy. Yeah, Aaron, Aaron Christ stands out, but and he's what in- he was doing didn't seem that bad. Like I don't know how uh, how is that really different from monasteries in India right. or Egypt, right. where you just have a bunch of friends living together, sharing resources. Yeah, or we were talking before we started recording about uh, it's like what, a the fuck is, what the fuck is it called? AmeriCorps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's the same or, as AmeriCorps. Or the Peace Corps, where you're just like, hey, I'm just going to go live on barely any money. And, and just do volunteer work people. and be and a good person. Ted Patrick's not fucking kidnapping people out of <laughs> right. the Peace Corps. <laughs> right. And being like, no, you need to get a lawyer job back in the States. And a spe- with some of these people... Like, there was the guy who they kidnapped, like, three different times. Right. Who was just kind of living at a place and meditating and working at a restaurant and just, like, not seeing his family enough. Yeah. And that guy did not need to be kidnapped. No, he was fine. His cult, like, he wasn't even, I wouldn't even really call it a cult. Like, it kind of is. But he didn't seem brainwashed. He just liked he to meditate with his friends. He was more spiritual, I think. Yeah. And then he ended up joining the workforce later and doing something yeah right and and, and he's he said i still like do all the meditation yeah. stuff. and and i i think one of ted patrick's flaws is he didn't look into these groups right enough when the parents came to him and said hey my kid's in one of these cults ted should have been like okay let me look into the cult first right and find out if your kid's in a cult or if your kid just doesn't like you because you're trash parents right well because there was the one woman um the blonde woman i can't remember her name either i'm so sorry everybody yeah there's a lot of names Um, in this but so she he it did work when he did it but she said you know 
it could have gone better he, if he had known things about the cult and what they were saying to me and what I firmly believed because of it, it would have gone smoother and much faster and I would have believed him more readily, even though it did end up working. It could have gone better if he knew what he was talking about. Yeah. And so it's true. He should have researched these different things. Yeah, he he definitely went at it from a really interesting angle because he's he admits himself he's not a super educated guy. He constantly says something like, uh, I dropped out of school in the 10th grade. I shouldn't have been allowed to go to the 9th grade. Right. And then it's like something else super demeaning after that. But when you see him interview these people, like it's it's almost like that's kind of what you need to to get through to these people. Because the questions he's asking strike me as questions that a person who really didn't understand this would ask. Right. And would want you to explain. And it seemed like with these people that he kidnapped at some point a lot of them hit a point in that questioning where they were like oh yeah yeah that doesn't make any sense like he asks uh they talked about him being on in court and asking someone about money they were like uh collecting money to give to god and he was like how do you get the money to god do you mail do you mail god money like (laughs) yeah where is this money going that it gets to god after and he asked the the one woman who I think it's the same woman you're talking yeah. about, who at one point he uh, he would just keep asking those questions until they couldn't answer them. And right. then things would start to click for them. Yeah, that was his system. Yeah. He asked her. Uh, he said, so. So God in the Bible said, man, man should multiply. Right. And she goes, yeah. And he goes, well, how's man supposed to multiply if we don't have sex? And she goes. This is getting too deep for you, man. <laughs> and then like an hour later, she was like, yeah, fuck this. This is stupid. <laughs> but then there were also people who he got them to the point where they were like, yeah, okay, I'm, I'm out of the cult. And then the next day they were just like, I just went back the next day. Like right. I knew exactly what he wanted. And that the, the, it's kind of my least and most favorite kind of documentary because there's still a lot of questions and both sides make a lot of points that are valid but it's also kind of unsatisfying because no one definitively makes their point right how come that line of questioning never works on religious people i mean it i I mean it would depend on what part of like what religious people you're referring to like fundamentalists they're like, just going to talk in circles until you're too frustrated to keep asking. So that's why it doesn't work on them. Yeah, and there's a like faith is a is a thing that like the the very idea of faith is that you don't have to explain it. Right. Uh. So it's not It's a built-in system so that you can always fall back on it and not Yeah, if like it at if nothing else it's just I don't know, man, I have faith. Yeah. 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 And which it should work on the cult people then too. They should be like, I just have faith. Yeah. Yeah. I I feel like it's probably a little easier when it's just a dude playing an acoustic guitar right. in a park in San Francisco. You can be like, look at this filthy motherfucker. He is not God. Will you stop it? I and like there were there was one woman who was uh, at one point said that he pulled a knife on her and was like, you're not a spirit. If I cut you. You'll bleed and you'll die. And damn, that's harsh. But also, yeah, <laughs> kind of. Like, yeah. Like, try it. Like, just 
Maybe he could have given her the knife. Just <laughs> give yourself a little prick in the finger. See, see what happens. Yeah, what's crazy about this to me, and this dawned on me recording another podcast recently, uh, also about MK Ultra, the the government mind control thing. People like this who, like, we look back now on what Ted Patrick did, and it seems kind of crazy. But at the time, he was like the foundation of research in this area. Right. Like, he is everything that cult deprogramming is built on. And psychology, like, psychiatry in the 70s, in the 60s and 70s was crazy. Right. Like, there's a Canadian psychiatrist who ended up in the MK Ultra program and doing actual human experiments. He did this technique called psychic driving, where he would drug someone to the point that they were in a coma and then just play tape loops of like words or suggestions to try and get them uh, past mental blocks and shit. And then when the CIA got involved, he would start giving those people LSD while they were under the influence of this. And that dude became the president of the American Psychiatric Association. That shouldn't have happened. And the Canadian Psychiatric Association. Like, all at the same time, while he was conducting these really gruesome, borderline torture experiments on people, he also was the top guy for American psychology. And hearing that and kind of watching Deprogrammed, I'm like, oh, maybe the Scientologists are onto a little something. Like, who knows? <laughs> that is their that is their their demon is mental health. Yeah, but you know, torture it works. It torture did work does for some work. people. Yeah. yeah, it did work for some of these people. There, I mean, the a, a lot of the people profiled in this do seem genuinely like there was the one woman who he deprogrammed her son who was a Hari Krishna right and she said she was living in Cleveland and her son was like I'm gonna go live in LA and she was like well I'm never gonna see him again and she has Ted Patrick deprogram her son and it works and now she's been like his personal secretary like she's in his cult right now right like that was what was really weird when she was like yeah I would do anything for him it's like well (laughs) you just joined a cult Congratulations. Like, what's up with these people, though? Why don't their kids love them? <laughs> like, this is a documentary about bad parents. Why can't core. Why can't you just be in a cult, do your thing, and visit your family on the holidays? <laughs> right. Yeah, that's that's the thing. He just casts such a wide net that some of the people he was abducting on the street really didn't need it. Like, right, and that that's what's so frustrating about this documentary because. Some of the people did and like seemed like they really benefited. From right. It. I think what, what was good about when it shifted away from deprogramming and it started being people who are formerly in cults, when somebody left when they could go to them and then and then get the deprogramming from there, I thought that was a little bit better because the person had chosen to leave the cult and then they could go to somebody who understands what they went through, who had the same thing going on and can be like, hey, but this thing that, that your your leader said, doesn't that seem a little ridiculous? And then can kind of like bring you back from there after you already cognitively decided to go. Yeah, that is true, though. He didn't really provide that for people. Did, right. Like, he didn't give people... Like, help afterwards. There was no follow-up. Right. And that's probably why a lot of people just go, s- skip town. Right. Like, 
I mean, if I was in, like, I, not that I want to join a cult, but if I was in a cult and somebody kidnapped me and was like, everything that you're doing is wrong and this is why, I'd be like, okay, yeah, you're right. I'll, I'll call my mom and dad. Bye. And then I'd go back because they love me and they're my friends and they'll welcome me with open arms and that's where my circle is. Like, I'm not going to just go because somebody tells me to. Right. What did you think of his argument that, because there would there's definitely a school of thought that would be like well these people like they're they can make their own decisions and they can go be in a cult if they want he made the argument that once you're in a cult you you've had some of your freedom of thought stripped away from you so you're kind of a prisoner at that point which is that true like yeah i think yeah. so i think that that kind of provided the justification for what he was doing in a lot of cases. And I don't think it's a terrible argument. Like, he had a lot of... It's, like, to varying degrees. Right. Yeah. And it, it it's not... The way we're describing it, it seems like this documentary is about just this rogue guy who was out kidnapping cult members. But he had a lot of support and people who agreed with him. And that seemed to be the argument that really stuck with people, was that, you know, these people don't... They aren't using their ability to think. They've right. been basically kidnapped, meant psychological kidnapped. Yeah. I should edit that out. <laughs> I shouldn't do my Ted Patrick impersonation. Hey, he was a black guy helping all these white people during that time. Can we talk about his business cards that say Black Lightning bigger than anything else on hey, them? It's good marketing. It, I mean, it worked. That Black Lightning logo is a good 85% of his business card. <laughs> and then his phone number's just in the corner like, hi, I'm here. <laughs> and his explanation for it makes no sense. No. He was like, someone told me I moved like lightning. And then they said Black Lightning. And I was like, yeah, Black Lightning. And now that's on his business card. <laughs> if your kid's in a cult, call Black Lightning. <laughs> That I loved that. <laughs> that Ted was he was a, a weird guy. Like he yeah. he was charming in a lot of ways because like he's um he's like almost like a Forrest Gump type. Like he just seems so like he has such a basic understanding of how the world works, but it's enough and he gets a lot done with it. Right. He wasn't molesting anyone, right? I hope not. I really hope not. That would really ruin all of this. Mm, yeah. It seems like someone would have brought that up. I yeah. hope so. Because they inter interviewed a few women. There were, I think, as many women as men that he had deprogrammed that they profile in this. So, yeah, hopefully not. Just pulling knives on people and things. Which is also bad. It's pretty I wanna, bad. I want to throw that out there. Yeah, yeah. He used some intense methods. Yeah. And he seemed like a guy who could get violent pretty easy. There's right. that scene where he's, like, yelling at the camera crew. And he's like, when you're in my house, I'm the director. And they were like, you're the director of your house? And I was like, get out of there! Antagonizing him. Jeez. I kind of agreed with him. Yeah. He's like, you guys, you are in his home. And right. he's got a job to do. Yeah. And it sounds like not all of it can be on camera. <laughs> not the part where he just starts beating someone, probably. Yeah. yeah. But and I then, mean, if it's something that can prevent, like, Jonestown, like, if we all had the ability to go kidnap people from Jonestown and keep them from dying at the apex of everything, wouldn't we want that? And that, yeah, that comes up. Right. Jonestown comes up in this documentary, and it comes up at a point where 
people were kind of on the fence about whether what he was doing was right. And then Jonestown happens, and they're like, we need a team of Black Lightnings. <laughs> Please. <laughs> that, this is out of control. That was so extreme. I think for most of the other cults, I think once they start living in kind of these dire situations with limited resources, the cult just kind of naturally falls apart. Yeah. Right. And what people leave out about Jonestown is a lot of those deaths were not suicides. Right. A lot of people were just shot in the head. Right. Probably because they wouldn't Because they didn't want to commit suicide. suicide. Yeah. Yeah. So it wasn't as vast. I mean, it was still a tragedy, and hundreds of people definitely committed suicide. But it was also just a big mass murder. Well, and also if you could pull people out before they get shot in the head for not wanting to commit suicide, that would have been cool, too. Yeah. And it... Jonestown really demonstrated how dangerous those situations can be just for the people going in trying to get someone out. Right. Because, uh, like, all the things that happened before everyone committed suicide, like, they killed a fucking congressman uh, who was there. Like, he showed up, and it was supposed to be this thing where they woo public opinion and show everyone that things are fine, and this congressman gets there, and people are like, help fucking get us out of here and he tries to take people with him and they fucking shoot up the plane as it's pulling off and ended up killing the guy and it was shortly after i think like a day or two after that that the mass suicide happened so then at that point i think there's always a question of should we even go into these situations in a government way because when does it end well like waco certainly didn't no that was I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that was not the ideal outcome <laughs> for oh that situation. I think you're making a decent point. I feel I thank you. I feel like the fire was a bit much. The kids in it over the top. Little over the top. But it it's always does anyone watch Homeland? Mm-mm, no. God, am I the only fucking person watching Homeland in the world? I feel like I am. You are, because my husband and I always have this conversation. Who is watching Homeland? <laughs> this and season I always, is so I good. And I always say, Adam Todd Brown. <laughs> He's your guy. This, I feel we like don't I'm, know anyone else that watches it. I'm keeping Showtime afloat. But this season, there's a, a situation like that. It's a like a government standoff, and it ends really fucking badly, too. But I I think that Jonestown also kind of made that argument. Like, yeah, we maybe need a Ted Patrick guy to rescue these people. But also, it sometimes gets to a point where you got to be like, you know what? Just let these motherfuckers live in Guyana and do whatever the fuck they want. Like, sorry you joined a cult, dude. (laughs) Like, you're you're there now. Yeah. If you know you want to leave, maybe you should just leave. uh, Yeah. Go find a job in Guyana? I don't know. I don't think. It's complex. Yeah. It's complex for sure. And yeah, so they they cover all these people and then they come back to that Matthew guy at the end, which is the one that I think is supposed to really pull at our heartstrings uh, and make Ted Patrick seem like a bad dude. Right. But it, I just kind of felt like they were both bad dudes. Yeah. Like the kids seemed like a real piece of shit. And he seemed like someone who probably pushed his parents to take extreme measures. To they try showed his parents at one point, right? In the documentary. Yeah. They didn't seem that bad, right? No. And uh, they showed them all sitting together and there was like little tiny Matthew. Yeah. And it just seemed like 
It just seemed like they were going to see the school guidance counselor because he did something bad yeah. that day. Yeah. Like, it didn't seem extreme, dire, or terrible at all. And it looked like they genuinely cared. Yeah. I mean, he was, you know, he's like, uh, uh, they thought I worshiped Satan just because I said I worship Satan and uh, drew Satan all over my stuff and I stabbed my dad once. It's like, was, you did all those things, dude. He right. was torturing animals, which I just can't even do. That, no, torturing yeah. animals is such a bad sign yeah. like he's going to kill a lot of people yeah. he probably has yeah there's a whole other documentary that will come out of this and we will cover it someday yeah i, f- I felt like trying to give it that personal angle with this dude was a bad choice well they, if anybody they should have picked the the woman who felt who at the end she was still like i wish i could say that i forgive um i forgive him for for the deprogramming, but I don't. He treated right. me horribly, and I don't forgive him, and that's that. Or the or the guy who got kidnapped three times right. and just kept going back and still does the same thing. Like he was, I think, a better example of just sometimes it's not what it seems. It's right. not a cult. It's just someone who doesn't connect with their family anymore and wants to go fucking hang out in San Francisco, and people should be allowed to do that. Right. But they ended on this dude who. He seemed like a real fucking menace. Right. And he just wanted to be able to torture animals and be shitty to his parents and stab his dad, I believe. Didn't he stab his dad or something like that? Like something like that. And, yeah, and he robbed his grandfather, which yeah. is the only thing he felt bad about. Yeah. Out of everything, he was like, Yeah, the only thing I feel bad about is robbing my grandpa. What? Yeah. That's the only thing that you feel bad about. And I'm supposed to feel bad that Ted Patrick threw you in the backseat of a car? Fuck you. I don't care. Yeah. Like I, not I, a great way to end. No. But it was, it's an interesting documentary. And it, it will definitely, it, de- it raises as many questions as it answers. Yeah. For sure. Because I don't think, like, they do, they do a decent job of making it seem like it's going to be one thing where when you go in, it, it kind of seems like this is going to be about a really bad guy who did really bad things under the guise of helping people. And then about halfway through, like the Jonestown thing happens and you're like, okay, maybe, maybe it's, it it's reasonable. He did go to jail a lot, a lot, a lot and didn't stop. No, the the next day he he felt like it was his vocation and his calling. Right. Yeah. Didn't you know? He he even said he believed he was doing God's work. Yeah. Yeah. He would he would always at one point he said I I I went to jail and then as soon as I got out I came home and took a shower and went back to work which to me implies that he didn't shower in jail which is actually (laughs) I think a good strategy. (laughs) I was in jail for three days when I was eighteen and it was over the weekend and. I did not shower either <laughs> because at one point a guy who was in there for rape uh, <gasps> steps out of the shower door, yells, hey, young blood, called me young blood, which felt cool, but holds up a broomstick, an actual fucking broomstick in a jail no, shower no. and says to get the shower to work longer, you just jam this broomstick up under the, the lever. And I was like, I'm not going in a jail shower that comes pre-equipped with a broomstick. I'm just going to be filthy for three days and then immediately go to my girlfriend's house after I get out because I hate her mom and I want her to smell me. Not my current girlfriend, my girlfriend in high school. I was in high school. Anyway, (laughs) Ted Patrick saved me from all that. On that note. On that note, 
So that's deprogrammed. People should go watch it before it's not on Netflix anymore, like every other fucking documentary <laughs> we try to cover. We'll put this one up first, just so it's still... Because I don't know how long deprogrammed has been. What did everyone think? Did you think this was an interesting... Yeah, I liked it. I th- Yeah, I thought it was a good watch. Um... I don't know. I've seen so many things on cults. I'm kind of culted out. Do we have anything to plug before we get out of here? I do. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I have a new show called The Fairytale Menagerie with my roommate, Sam Figueroa. And you should listen to it. It's about fairy tales, folklore, and all those crazy creatures. Uh, I have some shows. I have a show on March 14th. I don't know where it is. Uh, I will be at the Irvine Improv on March 28th. March 30th, I will be at Caroline's in New York, uh, 8 and 10 p.m. Oh, I was going to see if you wanted to do the live podcast at the end of the month, but you'll probably be in New York. Sounds yeah. like. <sighs> I guess come to the live podcast anyway at the end of the month. Hollywood Hotel, March 31st. We're doing a live episode of Profiles and Eccentricity, and we're also doing stand-up beforehand, so... Come out for that and uh, subscribe to uh, the rest of our podcast on patreon.com slash unpops. You ungrateful fucks. (laughs) Give us some money for what we're doing. And uh, also call our voicemail line, 505-386-7677. We're taking voicemails for all the shows. For the love of God, specify which show you're calling about, though, (laughs) so we know which uh, show to play the voicemail on. And uh, I'm going to be touring with Chet Wilde. Uh, in May, not as long as I thought because I forgot I also have to move in May. But we have shows booked in Chicago, Iowa, and Kansas City so far. And we'll be other places too. Come hear me tell jokes. New jokes. Jokes that aren't on the album I put out. Mmm. Hot, fresh, tasty jokes. Psychological jokes. When is this over? I don't know. Oh, are we done? Okay, yeah. <laughs> Probably a good idea. Jess, say goodbye. Bye. Monrock, say goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye, everybody. We love you.